The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. Praise the name of the Lord. Um, today is a very special day. It's one of the days that we, um, we get to to preach a single sermon that is not part of a series. I think there are a few of such days in a year that we get to preach single sermons. And, and I mean, it's usually exciting for me because I have to land the plane um, in one, in one um, teaching. And today we'll be looking at um, becoming a pro. Becoming a pro. How to overcome your handicap and become a pro. I mean, if you are like me, um, when you see or you are flipping channels and you see um, a game of golf going on, what do you do? You change the channel immediately because you're like, what are they doing? I mean, these people are so, so jobless. Grown men chasing one little ball down the hole. I mean, they are not even sweating. <laughs> you know, how can this be a sport? In fact, I used to say it is the lazy 
man's sport. I used to say, uh, golf is the what? Lazy man's sport, and on and on and on. But like you know, I mean, a few months ago, I started playing golf, and, and a lot of my ignorance was enlightened, <laughs> praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> For instance, it is not uh, uh, a lazy man's sport by any stretch. Um, if you are going to walk six to ten kilometers every round of golf, no lazy man will do that. Praise the name of the Lord. And I, I began to discover that the, the, the game is mentally stimulating. In fact, it's so mentally stimulating, it's, it's addictive. Most people that play golf are addicted to the game. And you are wondering why until you start playing. Praise the name of the Lord. So I'm going to explain a few things, you know, it's about it. And we are going to tie it into the Word of God. And we are going to see how it goes from there. Now, the, the, the way the game of golf goes is this. You know, um, every course usually have, the standard courses have 18 holes. Now, each hole, for each hole, you start by hitting the ball. And the plan is to get this ball into a small hole. So you start at a place called the tee box, and you tee off, and you hit and hit and hit until you get the ball in the hole. Are you with me so far? So it's about hitting the ball from the tee box into where? Into the hole, whatever it's called. Now, taking it further, each course has 18 holes. So, there are 18 of such tee-off holing, tee-off holing happening. And each of those holes have the number of times you have to eat the ball before they enter the hole. I mean, the standard regulated number of time in regulation to hit the, the ball to enter the hole. Now, some of them are three times. When you eat the ball three times to enter the hole, it's called a par three. Are you still with me? Good. So a par four is what? You hit the ball four times. I knew you were smart to enter the hole. A par five is what? You hit the ball five times. You should hit the ball five times in regulation to enter, to enter the hole. Now, the problem is this. Some of us hit the ball Longer than it's required to enter the hole. So when you eat the ball more than the regulated amount of time to enter the hole, let's say it's a par four, you should eat the ball how many times? And then you eat the ball six times. For that hole, you have a handicap of two. Does that make sense? Six minus so you are handicapped by two strokes. And for the whole game of golf, the round of golf, typically in, in, a beginner like me is handicapped for like 28. Don't laugh at your pastor. You'd be laughing. I'm going to carry you to the golf course one day. <laughs> and I will have a good laugh myself. 
So, like, I have, like, handicap 28. So, which means I eat the ball 28 times over par for the round. That is good. <laughs> That's not so good. Now, the, the, the point is this. The guys that are pros, they have a handicap of zero below. So the pros don't have any handicap. So today, we are going to learn how to become a pro, becoming pro. A handicap, the dictionary definition of, of a handicap basically is a circumstance that places, that makes progress or success difficult. You know, a circumstance that makes progress or success difficult. So, a handicap is a circumstance that you have that makes progress or success difficult. In golf, like we said, a handicap in golf is the number of strokes by which a golfer normally exceeds par for a course. So, if the course is... If the pie is 72, by the time you add the 5 and the 4s and the 3s, usually 70, 71, 72. So let's say it's a 72 pie course, and I, I, I finish my round playing 100, so my handicap is what? 28, right? 28. So the lower the handicap, the better the player. So the lower the scores, the better the player. Are you still with me? Turning pro means that you are removing your handicap. It means that you have zero handicap. And in our lives, we have handicaps in different areas of our lives. We have handicaps emotionally. Sometimes we, we, we are handicapped emotionally. Sometimes we have handicap educationally. Some of us, we are certificated illiterates. We are unemployable graduates. We, 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 we have a BSc, but we cannot spell Mississippi. Ask your remote, can you spell Mississippi? <laughs> now, sometimes we are handicapped physically. We need glasses to see. Or sometimes we are even handicapped spiritually. Sometimes we're handicapped spiritually. It's time to fast. You can't fast. That's a spiritual handicap. It's time to hear God. You can't hear God. That's a spiritual handicap. You don't know God's will. That's a spiritual handicap. And God is going to turn you to a pro today in Jesus' name. You are going to learn how to remove your handicap. And in scriptures, if you look at the Bible, the Bible is filled with people that are ladies with handicap. If you are looking at the story of Moses, for instance, in Exodus chapter 3, from verse 11, the Bible says, before then, Moses was tending the sheep of his father-in-law, and he was taking the sheep to, um, um, in the wilderness, and he came across a, a, a bush that was burning, and God had this conversation with Moses. And Moses was putting his handicap before God. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? But God answered, I will be with you. But Moses protested again, if I go to 
the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied, Moses, I am who I am. Say this, is, this to the people of Israel. I am as sent you. By the time we get to Exodus chapter 4 verse 1, the word of God says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, what if, what if the Lord never appeared to you? But Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been and I am, and I am not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord said to Moses, who makes a man's, a person's mouth? Who decides whether people can speak or do not speak? Who decides whether people can hear or do not hear or see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak. I will instruct you in what to say. So like Moses, most of us have a handicap. We, and we put a handicap before God as an excuse for not doing what God has called us to do. And we say we can do this, we can do this because of this, we can do this because of this, we can do that because of this, we can do, and we give excuses, but largely they are valid and it's valid because it's not usually fictitious and it's because of our handicap. And there are a couple of things that make us handicapped. Like we learned from the story of Moses, the first thing that makes us handicapped is how we see ourselves. How we see ourselves is the first handicap we need to overcome. How we see ourselves. Exodus 3, 11, it says, But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? I am a nobody, God. I am a fugitive. I can't do this, O oh God of heaven. And you see, what makes this so powerful is, is this. You cannot rise above how you see yourself. That's what makes it so powerful. You can't rise above how you see yourself. As a man thinks in his, in his heart, so is he. Whatever you see yourself is whatever it is that will be. Since we started using golf, we can as well use golf illustration. If you say, I can't, you know, the, the, one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult club to control in the park is the, the driver. If you say, I can't control the driver, I can't control the driver, guess what? You can't. If you can't, if you say you can't, you can't. Oh, I, I can't do this. Then you can't. And you see, you need to remove the limitation or the handicap of how you see yourself and begin to see yourself the way God sees you. You are a child of God. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's how you should see yourself. So the first handicap that we need to get rid of is how we see ourselves. Another thing that makes us handicap is our lack of knowledge. Our lack of knowledge. Exodus 3, 13. The word of God says that Moses protested if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me. They will ask me, what is his name? 
What should I tell them? Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant. I don't, I don't know. And many times, it's not because there's lack of availability of knowledge. Many times, it's, it's, it's because we are not teachable. Many times, the knowledge is around us. Information is around us. Many times, it's because we are not teachable. We, we are not absorbing this information. Maybe because we can't see it. Or maybe because we are just arrogant. But lack of knowledge is a huge handicap. Again, I was in a cut with one of the pros. I mean, those guys are, you know, they play some shots. I'm like, that shot is illegal. How can you play a shot like that? I mean, these guys are off the chart. They are so good. So, I, I mean, I was, he was riding, driving the cart. I was sitting beside him. Somebody was about to play. And, and the guy... Um, um, addressed the ball and I said to the pro beside me that his stance is wrong, isn't it? You know, because I'm a learner because I need to know which one to copy. You know? I said, his stance is wrong, isn't it? And the pro said, yeah, you are right. His stance is wrong. And, and I said to his, the pro, so why didn't you, this guy takes training from you, lessons from you. I've seen you, I mean, on the range with him. So why didn't you tell him? And he said to me, he doesn't listen. That he tells him, but he will still do what he wants to do. Are you like that? That, that, that God is trying to teach you. He's, trying to, he's bringing people your way. They are, they are directing you, but you, you are so headstrong. And you won't listen. And it's a major handicap if you are not teachable. It's a huge handicap. The third thing that makes us handicap is the imaginary what-ifs. The imaginary what-ifs. Exodus 4.1, Moses protested, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say the Lord did not appear to you? What if I don't get the job? What if I don't get the business? What if I never get married? What if I don't have a child? What if? What if? What if? The question is, what if you get a job? What if you get a business? What if you get married? What if you get a child? What if you become all that God has created you to be? What if? So, the imaginary what if has limited a whole lot of us. A whole lot of us. And we create scenarios that end up taking us the wrong way. I mean, again, like I said, I just started playing this game just three months. And where I play, I think the designer of that course is a, is a sadist. I, I think so because, I mean, the course is designed to, to steal your balls. You just lose balls anyhow. Those balls are not cheap. Anyway, so I want to tear off. And I, I, I'm looking at the lake on this side. I'm seeing the jungle on that side, 
And I said, what if this ball goes into the lake? What if it goes into the lake? And I'm like, no, no, no. It will go into the lake. But what if it does? But what if it goes into the jungle? I said, it will go into the lake. So I want, to, I want to quickly play before I think more what ifs. So I hit the ball. Guess where it went? Into the lake. No? I was like, no way. And, 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 the, and the pro was, was laughing, you know. And I, and I put another ball. And he told me, because I, did, I couldn't see myself. He said, what I was doing was that I was now back in the lake. <laughs> what if he goes in there? No, it's not going to go. And I, I backed the lake. I walked the ball. Guess what happened? The ball went like this. Into the lake. Job says, the things that I fear the most has come upon me. You need to shoot down the negative what-ifs and begin to paint the positive scenarios, scenario plannings. What if this happens? What if I get promoted? What if I overcome this storm? What if I break the back of the devil? What if I become the head and not the tail? What if I am anointed? What if people get healed when I lay hands on them? What if? What if things work out for me? What if I hit the ball and it goes and hits the fairway? But guess what? More of my balls land on the fairways these days than in the lake. <laughs> it's a mental game. It's a mental thing. The life, that's life. It's how you, what you, what consumes your mind that you see. You need to decongest your mind of the negative what ifs. It creates a handicap. The, the, the fourth thing that creates a handicap for us is our experiences. Our experiences. Moses said, but, 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 Lord, Moses pleaded with the Lord in verse 10. He says, oh Lord, I am not very good with words. I don't have experience. With, from experience, I'm not good with words. I never have been. And I am not now. Even though you have spoken to me, many of us, we know that God has spoken to us. We know what God has said concerning our destinies, but we are allowing our experiences to be a handicap. And we are saying to God, even though you've spoken to us, to me, but you know that's how we are in our family. Even though you've spoken to me, that I'll be above only and never be beneath. But you know nobody rises in my family. Even though you spoke to me that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know that um, all, the, all of us female in my family, you know we are promiscuous. It's not my fault. Even though you've spoken to me that he that cherishes his wife cherishes himself, his own body. But you know, all of us in our family, we, we are wife beaters. You know, we have to slap them once in a while. Even though you've spoken to me, even though you've spoken to me. When you allow your experiences to cripple you, you make the word of God to none effect. When you allow, this is my experience, God. This is how I am. This is, I have never been good with words. I have never been this I have never been that. And God says, excuse me, Moses, who made the mouth? 
Moses, who determined who can speak and who cannot? Who made the eyes? Will you allow me to do my job, Moses? And do your job? Sometimes we just need to back off and let God be God. Praise the name of the Lord. So I'm, I'm sure you are itching now. You are saying, okay, Pastor, so how do I become pro? How do I become pro? Tell me. Tell me, how do I become pro? You're about to get the secret of turning pro. But the question before we get to that is, why should I become pro? Why should I become pro? My handicap is working fine for me. Why should I become pro? For instance, in golf, if I have a, a, a high handicap, I will play gameplay. I mean, my handicap works for me. So why do I want to lower it? Why do I want to become pro? For instance, I said I was playing around with this pro, and he's, he's, he's a pro, so he, if, the, if the cost is a 72-pack um, cost, so he will hit it easily, he's 72, right? I'm 28 handicap, so I should hit it in 100. But if I make 99, and he makes 72, guess who won? In gameplay, I won. So why do I want to lower that? Praise the name of the Lord. So the handicap is a disadvantage imposed on the superior competitor in sports, such as golf and horse racing, in order to make the chances more equal. In fact, in fact, in horse racing, the extra weights to be carried in a race by the race horse on the basis of its previous performance to make its chances of winning the same as those as the other horses. In other words, in race horses, when a horse is really winning, they put tie weights around that horse so that to even the odds so the question is, why should I get rid of my handicap? If you don't see why you should get rid of your handicap, you won't want to get rid of your handicap. Like I said, there are guys that we play with that they, they are handicapped 20, but those guys should be playing five. But they will refuse to submit their scorecards when, when they play well. Why? Because they don't want their handicap to drop. Why? Because they are, why should I, why should I want it to drop? When I, it makes me win tournaments. Why should I want it to drop? In, in other parts of the country, you know, when parking is, is a challenge, they have reserved park, parking space for people that are handicapped, right? You see H there. What does that mean? It's an advantage to them. So we have people going to get fake medical reports to get the handicap tags so that they can park in the, in the spot. And when I heard that someone did that, I'm like, ah, you have to be careful. If you get a tag that you are crippled, and you are not crippled, and you keep arguing in your car, cripple, 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 cripple. What will happen one day? <laughs> you know? So there are certain handicaps that have become pets. And if we don't see them for what they are, we, we begin, we don't lose them, we don't get rid of them. There was a lady of, that was a witch. And, you know, delivering somebody that doesn't want to be delivered is a tough process. So, she was going through deliverance and, and nothing was happening, you know. 
And the pastor asked her, don't you want to be free from this witchcraft? She said, no. Why should she want to be free? Why? That she, she says to her husband, she's going out to see her boyfriend, that the husband should carry her. The husband will drive her to her boyfriend's house. He will tell him to wait downstairs. He will wait outside reading newspaper. She will go upstairs and do her business and come downstairs. I say, yeah, let's go home. It will be drive her home. I say, what will you eat, darling? You know? He says, are you want me to give up that kind of power? There are certain handicaps that we hold on to that has become a pet, but they are destroying us. We don't know. Another lady was sick, and this same pastor goes to pray with, with her to be healed. And after praying and praying and praying, the lady was not getting healed. Then the pastor asked God, what's going on? And God says, ask her if she wants to be healed. And she said, ah, what kind of question is that? Madam, do you want to be healed? She says, no. And the man was like, why? Don't you want to be healed? She says, until now, her husband didn't give her a single attention. But now that she's on the sick bed, if she is running around, is carrying the plate, is kicking up, ah, this is life. Let me carry this handicap. <laughs> then the pastor had to counsel, like, okay, I'm going to talk to your husband. You know, I know you'll be a good man. You need to get out of the sick bed. But what she doesn't know is that, you know, she just keeps taking antibiotics. She's still on those drugs. Those drugs can damage her liver. They can damage her organs. On the long run, she becomes, I mean, disintegrated because she's Carrying and nurturing a handicap. Why should I want to be healed when it's working for me? Why should I want to remove my excuse for not serving God? If pastor asks me why you know a worker, I already know what to say. I travel a lot. So why should I want a job that to, even though it's better, better for my family, but I won't have anything to say again when they ask me why I might not work. <laughs> why? Why should I remove my excuse of not serving God? Why should I remove my excuse of not serving God? The answer is this. So that you can be all you are created to be. That's why. Because you cannot be all that God has created you to be if you use your handicap as an excuse. If you keep holding on to your handicap, you cannot be all that God has created you to be. You don't cherish your handicap. Because you cannot turn pro if you keep cherishing your handicap. You cannot. So how do I become pro? With zero handicap. How? Educationally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. How do I? Become pro. Two things, and we close. Are you ready? Number one, to become pro, I need to see it for what it is. I need to see my handicap for what it is. A handicap is a limitation, period. It's a limitation, a circumstance that makes progress and success difficult, period.
period. I need to see it for what it is. No excuses. I, I shouldn't show up before God with an excuse. I shouldn't show up before God. This is why I cannot serve you. This is why I cannot become a worker. This is why I cannot attend our fellowship. This is why I cannot pray. This is why I cannot fast. This is why. I need to see it for what it is. Then secondly, to turn pro, not only must I see my handicap for what it is, I must submit my handicap to God and follow his direction. I must submit my handicap to God. Exodus 3, 11, but Moses protested to God. Exodus 4.1, but Moses protested again. And Moses protested. Are, are you, why do you keep protesting? Why do you keep protesting? Why do you keep arguing? Every time you protest against God's word, you reinforce your handicap, you reinforce your limitation. Every time you protest against what God says you should do or you can do, you reinforce your limitation. So we, we don't surrender to our handicap. We surrender our handicap to our God. Don't surrender to your handicap. Surrender your handicap to God. Take it to God. What is the handicap? What is that thing? Take it to God. And surrender it to God. Why? When I submit to God, he empowers me to function like a pro. That's what happens. When I submit to God, it takes my natural and it turns it into supernatural. When I submit to God, it takes my shots and make it a hot shot. When I submit to God, it takes us from being victims and makes us victors. Makes us victors. When I submit to God. When I submit to God, he, pos- he possesses me and he controls. He controls me. Now, <laughs> when God possesses you and God controls you, you become a pro. Spiritually, you become a pro. You do things spiritually. I mean, everybody is like, wow, you, you know it's not you. You do things emotionally, even academically, professionally. People are like, how did they solve that? How did they resolve that conflict so easily and effortlessly? You know it's not you. You know you are a pro because of your God. Imagine a golfer that has um, Tiger Woods possess him. You know, Tiger Woods is one of the greatest golfers before the, uh, you know what, the adultery. You know, it's just amazing. After the adultery, the guy just went down. But believe me, he's still one of the greatest ever. Imagine you have Tiger Woods standing beside you, telling you what to do. Beyond that, imagine you're a golfer and Tiger Woods can enter inside you and possess your hand. What will happen? You become a pro. I want to say, Tiger Woods possessing you. I'm not sorry, talking about the spirit of adultery. That he has. I'm talking about the spirit of golfing. 
Uh, you don't live here. I say, oh, pastor said, I can't possess. No, 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 no. No, no, not that one. And imagine he's, he's possessed an amateur like me. I will just be striking the ball pure. And I will just be strolling. Everybody will be saying, wow, what happened to him? I know that something is in me. This is not me normally. Everyone says, oh, how come she's able to go that far? How come? How come she's able to triumph? You know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's how to turn pro. That's about our hearts. That's about our heads. You need to submit the handicap to God. I don't know what it is. That is a handicap. You need to submit it to God. Why don't you talk to God right now? Talk to him. Say, Pastor, but say, God, I, I, I'm tired of even nurturing this thing. It's killing me. Maybe for you, it is a, it is a um, blackmail that is your handicap. You keep blackmailing your husband. You are blackmailing him. Blackmailing him. It's your handicap. You don't know it's limiting you. You need to submit the blackmail to God. Whatever the handicap is. And you may be here, you're like, Pastor, I need to submit myself to God. I need God to possess me. I need to submit myself. I am not with Christ. I need to be surrendered to Jesus. Oh, I used to be born again, but I'm backsliding, Pastor. Can you pray with me? I need to get it right. I need to become a pro or a pro again. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated, you don't need to come forward. That is me, Pastor. Wherever you are seated, put up your hand now over your head quickly and I'll pray with you. God bless you. If I put up your hand, God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand. That is me. That is me. God bless you. Over there. God bless you. My, my brother over there. My sister over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Pastor, God bless you, my brother, over there. That is me. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. I need to turn this life over to God. I need to submit the scorecard of my life to God. God bless you, over there. I need to allow God to possess me. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. God bless you, over there. Keep the hands up. We're going to slip the card into your hand. God bless you. That is me. Keep the hands up. God bless you, over there. God bless you, over there. Pastor, pray with me. I want to surrender my life to Him. I want to. I'll submit. God bless you, my sister over there. God bless you over there. I need to submit my life to him. Jesus, come and have your way. God bless you right there in front. God bless you right there, my sister. Keep, take the card. Once you have the card, put down your hand and cry to God. Have mercy upon me. This is me, Lord. I'm submitting myself to you. I'm submitting myself to you. I'm submitting myself to you. Father, we pray for everyone in this place, Lord. All of us, as we bring our handicaps to you, we we, su- we submit our handicaps to our God. We don't submit to our handicap. Lord, we pray that you take all our handicaps and make us pros, Lord, in every area of our lives. Lord, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you and coming to you afresh or anew. We ask that you cleanse them, save them. Lord Jesus, as they have opened their hearts to you, Possess them and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen.